Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 27, part two. On Monday's episode, we engaged Pia Sofredini, digital map painter and environment artist at Framestore Melbourne, in our 13 question grilling, otherwise known as the Framestore podcast dailies. Today's episode, we pass the mic to this week's guest co-host, Kat Machioha, London-based junior DMP artist. So, without further delay, we very much hope you enjoy episode 27, part two of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to the Framestore podcast, part two, episode 27. And we're here with Pia Suffredini and Kat Machoha from Framestore, Melbourne and London, respectively. And this is where we hand over to our special guest co-host, Kat, who is going to take over proceedings and lead the questioning for the rest of part two. So I am going to hand over to Kat seamlessly. Hello again, both. And uh, Kat, it's over to you to... uh, take us on a journey. So over to you. Hi, Simon. Hi, Pia. Lovely to speak to you. Hi, Kat. Hi, Simon. You too. So let me start with a maybe a little bit of a cliche question, but I'm always interested in what inspired you to become a DMP artist for film and TV in the first place. Was it the painting you mentioned you were doing when you were younger or a certain movie that got you in the feeling like, yes, this is what I want to be doing? So when I became a roto artist, I I didn't really know what matte painters did, but the roto team sat behind the matte painters so I could just look over and see what they were doing. And I would watch them work. And it was like only a few months when I realised, okay, that's what I want to do because I could see them painting and with all of these crazy environments and um, yeah, just looking and seeing that was like, okay, matte painting, that's what I want to do. But when I was younger, I actually wanted to be someone who painted backdrops in movies. So I feel like I ended up with my childhood dream job. That's amazing. um, Just in the digital form. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I think if you painted as a child, it's just like one thing that you liked painting the most and was it environments that you really enjoyed painting them? Yes, I always did landscapes. That was my my favourite thing to do, landscapes. Apart from, like, I did cartoons a lot when I was younger, but then as I, as I got a bit older, I started getting right into landscapes. Oh, that's amazing. It really resonates with me because landscapes are my favorite thing to paint as well. Oh, cool. So, but yeah, if you have the time then when creating your personal artworks, do you have like a favorite theme for the environment or a subject you like to depict these days? I go right into fruit at the moment and animals, um, birds in particular. Oh. A lot of the work that I do is quite graphical at the moment um lots of bright colors and i i started trying to learn how to create patterns for like printing on 
uh, wrapping paper or clothing. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing lately. Oh, that is amazing. Have you done any, like, T-shirts with your own designs and stuff like that or other pieces of clothing? T-shirts, I, I used to hand paint them um, around 10 years ago. I did a few hand-painted T-shirts, but mostly prints. Like, oh, I've done a phone case cover. Oh. So for my iPhone, I've got, like, this cactus print. Um, I have a I have a red bubble site, so you can buy T-shirts with my art on it and stuff, but no one ever buys them. Uh, I think my mum once bought a mask, like a, a COVID mask that I had that I had made. So that had some of my art on it too. Nice. I was going to ask you if you ship your designs to UK because I always love finding new artists who do like crafty things and that you can just get a piece of that for yourself. Yeah, yeah, it does. It ships around the world. So amazing. Well, if you want to plug it in here, if people also want to check out your designs. <laughs> Yeah, we can put anything in the show notes. If you've got links and URLs, we can show note it. So no problem. Yeah, let's do that. Amazing. Awesome. That must be very inspirational. And like, you must take inspiration from different things when doing stuff like that. What is like your main inspiration these days for the patterns and animals you're doing? Is it like a certain artist work or something you've seen somewhere else? Uh, not really. I think a lot of the time I will just, something will pop in my head, like, or maybe I will see an artwork and not remember it, but something will inspire me to think that I want to put colours together. And, or like, for example, I did some papaya and the reason that I, like, that I drew papaya and the reason that I drew that was because I saw one and I thought, look at that beautiful, bright coloured fruit. Oh. And then I imagined it many times on a wall like on you know on a print on a, on someone's wall and I thought ah oh, okay that would be great for myself so I just go from there usually amazing that is making me hungry right now <laughs> especially for some fresh fruit and what about your map paintings coming back to what we were actually here to discuss map painting that's that's so tricky I feel it is for me to answer um like so you're talking about work right like the map paintings that I would do at work it can be a work or like environments you do in your spare time so if that maybe helps like recently I've been really researching and getting into JMW Turner's work as a uh artist who was part of a naturalist movement in the UK okay and I really loved how his artworks progressed from depicting really lifelike nature to using more lights and atmosphere to depict what he was portraying. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time I want to create something that I feel like I want to be in, if that makes sense. Totally. Like, you know, like a nice landscape with um, beautiful mountains or something. It's usually some somewhere that I want to want to be yeah something beautiful something peaceful that you can just walk into if it was <laughs> possible and just spend the rest of your day there yep that's amazing so what was the project that you really enjoyed working on the first project that I like absolutely loved and talked about for ages was Peter Rabbit 2 I 
I don't know what, like we had like these nice little environments and I feel like that was a time where I felt like my work really turned around with this awesome supervisor who was also mentoring and just finishing that project I just looked back and was like this that was a, a time where I felt like I knew that my career kind of jumped up a little step or two and yeah I was proud of it for for a, for a long time that's amazing I hope you're still proud of it <laughs> I yeah like the the excitement and everything that I have has faded a little bit just because time has passed. Um, but I, I just remembered another show actually, like before I got into this industry, I watched the TV show Cosmos and I remember thinking, I really want to work in like on movies or TV shows and create stuff like what I saw in Cosmos. And then I worked on Cosmos season two. No way. Later on. Oh, that was that's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Creating planets. Oh, so were these projects challenging for you or if there is another show or a shot you specifically remember being challenging and why why it was challenging and how did you overcome the difficulties with it? Um, that's a good question. I am just asking such long and <laughs> elaborate questions. <laughs> and I'm thinking so deeply about them. Um, I think recently, like I worked on The Flash and I feel like one of the challenges was, no, okay, I'm going to change my answer. Um, I think a lot of the times, like when, you know, when I worked on Jumanji, that was, I don't know, maybe the fourth project I'd worked on. And sometimes when, you know, you're given a task like, okay, paint over this rock face. And there's times where you think, I don't think I can actually ever achieve this and somehow you get it done um that yeah seems to be another another rock face that I'm thinking of as well it's all the rocks that are always difficult (laughs) yeah my first show I worked on I had to create a um landslide on a rock face and the rocks were constantly changing and evolving and just painting over some things so I do see where that challenge comes from and you think that, no, you're not going to be able to get through this and and then you get through it and you're proud of yourself that you and others push, push yourself yeah. to those limits. Yeah, exactly. And I think like I always try to keep that in my mind now whenever I have doubt, like you got through all the other ones. You're going to get to a point where you will get through this one as well, so... Just have faith, keep chipping away, and you'll get there. That is that is an amazing advice and very I think it should be more mentioned. Like, yeah, you will get through this. Like you will figure this out. Like we always do, we have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gotta keep faith in yourself <laughs> in the team and yeah. all will be well. That's amazing. So what would you say are like let's say three most important things? to be a successful map painter? I think that the first one would be a very well-trained eye, which will come with time and like watching movies and looking at your work and then taking the feedback. And then, you know, every time you submit a new daily thinking, okay, how can I have this make less, uh, get less notes? So, you know, check everything, um, Make sure that, you know, all your edges are fine and there's nothing that the supervisor is going to say. Okay, you know, there's this bit that's not looking too good. 
which yeah, it just comes with training your eye to notice every little detail. Number two, I think like what we talked about last time was just looking, looking around you and, and studying nature and seeing how light falls onto buildings and onto grass and trees and like keeping note of that. And I think just staying in practice all the time. No, like even if it's just scribbling on your iPad, it's always trying to keep drawing, keep painting, just so you don't sort of lose yeah. Yeah, your skills. It can be quite hard to find the time to sometimes go back to the traditional drawing and painting with all the time we spend doing digital work. You just need time to sometimes get back, get your hand back in the movement that you would use for traditional painting and yeah get your eye to adjust to the nature rather than a flat screen in front of you yeah exactly great and if you could create one tool to help you in your everyday workflow what would it be and why you talked about making your own brushes is there something else that you would think that Oh, I would love to have that on hand when doing my map painting. I would love to have a tool that like could select, you know, you create a, a, a mask and then you select an object and then you can like, there's this feather, you can expand your selection in and out and, um, and feather it. Oh. But I feel like that is never good enough to get the edges of trees or bushes. There's like this this amount of pixels that you need to have yeah the the edge of a leaf looking like a leaf and not like you've just cut it out. So a tool that would just you know you could say cool expand or contract the selection yeah. and give me the right feathering in in the click of a button that would be great. Yeah, and the pixel step so it doesn't like feather it in a uniform sort of way, but that you can create the sort of pattern you need in order to recreate the irregularity of nature. Oh, that would be amazing. If you ever do that tool, please send it my way. Yes. That would be mega helpful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> mega helpful. Amazing stuff. And going back to the tools, what are your thoughts and opinions on the use of AI in map painting? And do you think... What do you think the future will go towards when it comes to it? That's so crazy. I was going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> um, I, I think like it scares the living soul out of me. I, I go onto LinkedIn occasionally and it, my whole feed is filled with look at my AI art and all of that. And yeah, it looks cool and it's great. Um, I feel like we should stop at a certain point. Um, like why are we trying to give a com you know a computer the things that we want our mind to do? I mean, maybe that's like the dumbest thing that I've ever said, but no. there's something in me that feels like I just I, like we should stop at a certain point. Yeah. Um, in saying that, Photoshop has an AI tool um, that I haven't tried yet, but I've seen people using. You know, where they just select this, fill this with whatever. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting, like. I would love to see how that works. 
but I also don't want them to take my job away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? that's, the, that's the biggest scare for all of us just to not <laughs> lose our map painting jobs. <laughs> yeah. Taken over by AI. But yeah, I do get your point that it's not, it doesn't feel like it stops where it should because people are starting to use AI not as a tool, but a final product. Yes. And I think that's also where a lot of the issues come from because a lot of people deem themselves artists when they put a couple of commands into a software and didn't polish their results. Yeah, exactly. So rather than using it as a previous tool or something that can give you a starting point to your new artwork, they just use it as a start to finish thing that doesn't really reflect their skill set and their mindset that a lot of artists train for years and train their eye. Yeah, yeah. And I hope a lot of companies do recognize the value that real artists bring to the teams and the personal perspective that AI can't recreate. Yeah, I agree. And that if we ever use software like that, because um, here in London, we started um, using a bit of gigapixels, but only for like upscaling images and getting rid of some noise and artifacts to hopefully be able to use more textures or rather than having to discard a, maybe an amazing reference just because it has a lower quality. Okay. So in that way, I do see the uses AI could bring because Photoshop is also learning from itself. So if it can create an image of trees on the white background, that will be really easy for, for us then to clean them up and create a clean mask. Yeah. Rather than having to go in with the pen tool and get the singular branches and like the tool you mentioned that the leaves just look so irregular. We just don't have a good selection mask and feathering for to achieve that look. So yeah, in those cases, I think it could be really useful. But yeah, the scary part is just entirely replacing the artist and how you and how you hear the stories about artists who are made redundant. Yeah, because the AI could do kind of their concept work quicker. So they didn't need to pay people to do that. Yes, that is very scary. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> let's get to a more fun question. Okay. <laughs> to just blow the grey clouds away, although in London that's kind of not possible at the moment. If you could use variations of only one colour in your artworks for the rest of your life, what colour would it be? Pink. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it looks great. I just every time I see something with pink and like different shades of pink, I just think, yes, that's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> you can't see on the podcast, but I am currently showing off my pink lovely trousers. <laughs> so yeah, I know the feeling. Very good. You must have loved Barbie then, Pia. Barbie must have been an oh, absolute Christmas yeah. gift for you. I'm seeing it on Thursday. Oh, amazing. <gasps> I've got the babysitter booked. Are you going to dress all pink? Uh, I wasn't planning on it, but um, 
Maybe now I will. <laughs> it's amazing. Me and my friends did it. We dressed up all pink and they had a little Barbie doll box that you could take pictures and when you went to the cinema. It, oh, oh, wow. It's like a childhood dream come true. I'm so fun. Yep. <laughs> okay. And yeah, that was the last of my questions that I prepared. Is there anything else you would like to share? Um can't really think of anything that's great we've covered a lot there Kat thank you so much for such brilliant questions I mean they, yeah thank you for the questions I could I could sense as we've said on the podcast we've struggled with a bit of internet connectivity today so I could, even when the, we can see you now Pierre but when when the screen was black for a bit I could feel the kind of procrastination how do I answer this they're, they're really tough questions you did really well to answer them they were really cool really cool Thanks for having me. No, you both were great, and I, uh, yeah, I won't add to any more. I mean, you've been asked, you've been asked so many questions, uh, Peter, whether it's uh, by myself and Cat collectively. So uh, there's lots of questions I, I could. Ask. There is one I will ask because okay. you've, we've, you've worked on a lot of very cool shows, and we've talked about the, the favourites from a kind of DMP and environments perspective. And I talked a bit about going to the cinema and seeing your name in the credits. What one of your shows? were you the most excited to see your name at the end? Not because necessarily the environments were your your best work, but because it was just a, an amazing show to be part of. Because I always talk about the, if you're credited on a any show, you're part of the culture now forever. It's like music, you live forever. It's going to be yeah. way, way past anyone's expiration date. Your name is going to live on, right? So what was the show you were most proud to be part of when you were sitting in that auditorium or that cinema and you saw your name what was the the biggest goosebump moment for you uh, I think Shang-Chi is really sticking out for me I don't know why like we we went to this we were in Munich when we saw that and we were at the screener with Trickster and yeah. everyone there had worked on it and I was invited from someone who worked at Trickster and just being in that I was I don't know I was just so excited to see it and I'm proud of the work that everyone did I love that movie the environment and the work on the dragon it just it was like watching a cartoon but not a cartoon like seeing your childhood's dreams and visions come to life yeah it was great it was very inspirational. I love that it was a Marvel movie that wasn't necessarily attached to a big celebrity name as well. Like it wasn't <laughs> yeah. uh, another Robert Downey Jr., Tom Holland, you know, Infinity War Fest. It was just a great character-driven story as well as being obviously brilliant, brilliant visuals. Yeah. Strong. And also funny too. Yeah, it had a good balance. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, thank you. That's a strong, a strong end to an otherwise brilliant brilliant set of conversations honestly thank you both my perspectives and assumptions around dmp have been absolutely altered as a result <laughs> well forever i would argue as part of this conversation wow. so i have to say thank you both for allowing us to have this discussion because i say it all the time it, you know i it's a real personal privilege for me to have these deep dive conversations you know i don't think a lot of people unless you're a podcaster uh you don't nobody really has these kind of conversations in any real detail whether it's in passing or our desks or even on a night out occasionally you don't really get to have this deep dive so it is a genuine privilege so thank you thank you both i i, I learned a lot so uh, it's been a it's been a pleasure no worries thank you so much for having me absolutely p you've been brilliant cat you've been brilliant uh, is there anything uh, to cat's question earlier is there anything you'll leave our listeners with 
any final words of wisdom, anything people should look out for, anything you want to plug? Watch TED TV when it comes out. Yeah, right. Excellent. <laughs> well, let's leave it there. Well, Pia, I'll leave you to your evening. Thank you for giving up the most of it. I can tell the internet's got better. Everybody's probably gone to bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so nobody's watching any streaming services now. So we've got the perfect the perfect sweet spot. So future Melbourne guests, we're only going to be talking to you at, what, what's the time in Melbourne now, Pia, may I ask? 9.46. 9.46, right. So close to 10 o'clock, people are thinking about bedtime. Um, so Pia, thank you, honestly, for giving up your evening to have this conversation. It's been, it's been brilliant. My pleasure. Uh, and Kat, thank you for sitting in that meeting room for nearly two hours. You've been uh, you've been a legend as well. So uh, <laughs> thank you both. I'm um, excited to get this one out. Thank you for having me. And thank you from the Fame Store podcast. And we'll see you on the next one. Keep listening. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up this week's episodes. It just leaves me to thank Pia for being an outstanding guest, Kat for being this week's excellent guest co-host, and special thanks, as always, to Sam Sosnowski from the Global Training Team for another brilliant edit. We'll be back in another two weeks with another guest from our global frame store community. Thanks for listening. See you then.